Wrestle Plug for 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 life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in, everyone got each other over, everyone looked good and made the industry look great. Nuta Palak, oh. wrestling talent. I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestle Club podcast. I'm, of course, Aaron Nix, as you know. Now, joining me on the other side of this screen is somebody, well, if you've ever wondered how I'll look if I was evolved fully as a Pokemon, then this is the final result of that. The beautiful man, <laughs> of course, known as Tommy Vendetta, the great man from Ward Lake, Michigan. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is quite an honor, actually, to get a real big heavy hitter from the American Indies. No, thank you. It's it's an honor to be considered a heavy hitter for the American Indies. Thanks for having me, man. No, I like your style of work, man. It's um, it's very much my cup of tea, as we were saying right before. Potential of being a tag team possibly down the line. Definitely, would be nice. definitely um, man. It's going to happen. Not going to step on Mr. Price's toes, though, because he will step on mine, and that will hurt. <laughs> um, obviously, being a UK-based podcast, people are probably going to want to know who Tommy Vendetta is and have the opportunity to check out your work more. So what I like to do is, for the first couple of minutes, give you an opportunity to almost cut a promo, let the UK fan base know who Tommy Vendetta is and what he's all about. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, pretty much. I, I like. I grew up, I was like the, the tall, lanky like nerdy looking kid who who was in sports but wasn't like the popular kid and then uh like pretty much after that I I didn't want to go to college so I decided I was going to go in the Marine Corps because I like the challenge and uh I went in the Marine Corps got out of the Marine Corps uh and then I said you know what screw it I want another challenge I'm gonna become a pro wrestler and then uh pretty much it just it started off rocky for me I was uh I, I was still finding myself you know I didn't really have the presence that I have now and then there was just the day that came when as I call him my father Aaron Orion came to me and he put me under his wing and he said hey you're a psycho be a psycho and just like that the lovable psychopath was born and I've been tearing people's faces off and smiling while doing it ever since I like that. That's definitely, definitely my new favorite wrestler has income to the, uh, to the wrestle plug. I'm proud of that. Um, talk to me about the Marine Corps actually. Cause like, obviously, uh, there's been a couple of guys who have been on who were in the British military, for instance, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, uh, Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into working in the military. My family has quite a rich history in like the Air Force and stuff like that. So that's quite cool as well. Um, what's the Marine Corps like? What was it like as well coming out of that and going back into wrestling? Do you think that the discipline and everything that was involved in that really lent itself well to your initial training as a wrestler? Oh, a thousand percent. I, I think uh, I had a leg up on a lot of guys that I was training with simply because I had that discipline like instilled at me at such a young age. Because from eight, I went in right when I was 18 years old. So I was just some punk kid who never really like had a, a purpose, I guess you could say. And then I have this grown man yelling at me every single day that I'm worthless. And I was like, oh my gosh. 
And I mean, uh, it, it breaks you down, but it breaks you down to build you back up and it builds you back up even stronger. And then it made me headstrong, I think, which like is good and bad because sometimes it gets me into trouble. But a lot of times like in training, it was good because no matter how many times someone would be like, no, that sucked. I'd be like, okay, let's do it again. Or like, and I would just keep going at it, keep going at it. Like, it was almost like I would just like absorb the, the negative criticism or whatever. And I would just flip it and be like, all right, I'm gonna change it. Let's go. And I think like the military definitely instilled that discipline in me to help me do it. And then once, once I got out of the military, mm. I didn't go right into wrestling. Actually. I only had, I had like six or like six, seven months where I was like waiting. Um, Cause I didn't know if I like truly wanted to do it yet. And then I just finally hit a point where I was like, man, there's just no point. Like I got nothing going on outside. Like I got out of the military, had nothing. I like, I need something. And I was like, this is the something that I think I need. And then I started doing it and it's the exact thing that I needed. And I love it. The, um, are you a homegrown Michigan boy? Yes, sir. So the, like, obviously that's a state that has a, not only a rich history in terms of obviously the automotive industry and things like that, which is a bit stereotype, but it's there for a reason, but it's mm-hmm. also, it feels in many ways from people I know who have been to Michigan, people who have lived in Michigan, they've said that it feels like a state that's been left behind. And a lot of people from Michigan have a chip on their shoulder, rightfully so, because it was one of those places, the United States very much. I mean, there's, there's some really great documentaries, which I urge people to check out about Michigan. You can find them on the internet and Netflix and stuff Absolutely. like that. Uh, even Anthony Wardane, weirdly enough, I remember when he went there before he passed on, um, that was something that really opened my eyes to Michigan a few years ago. Cause I've always, I'm a huge Red Wings fan. So I was, just like oh cool like, yeah i know I was, I was just like oh that's sweet like you know i've always had a real fascination with michigan talk to me about the grit of it because i don't think even now even like we've got a lot of people from the u.s who listen and watch this podcast and what's very cool about them is they still don't know much about what goes on outside their states and things like that and we mm-hmm. haven't had much of an opportunity to really touch upon michigan's wrestling scene as well as obviously it's past and it's rich history of being such a great state as it was for america mm-hmm. um how's the mindset of being from michigan and obviously probably growing up being a little bit more hard-nosed and a little bit tougher and headstrong like you say well it is i, I think like there is a point where we do kind of have that chip on our shoulder i know like for indie wrestling especially like the the like main guys that are always like prevalent on the michigan indie scene I can t- you t- just see by how they wrestle, they all have that chip on their shoulder because we are kind of that like forgotten place because we're in between Ohio, which has so much like so much great talent right now. Like basically all of Impact was Ohio based for a while because they're that talented. And then you go right above us and you have Canada and it's vastly talented up there. So that we kind of did get lost in the shuffle. And I think the Michigan independent scene is extremely slept on because you got companies I know on IWTV there's uh Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling and uh Ruthless Pro Wrestling are two go- like companies I've worked for um and and they're both incredible I know like uh we always joke that there's like the Michigan strong style because we do like like it is the chip on the shoulder that kind of makes us go out there and be like all right we're gonna make you remember us like it's either gonna be because you you go oh wow these guys are talented or oh wow those dudes hit hard like and we're gonna go out there and we're going to do both like so i think a lot of that and like just how the state in general has kind of come back from like 
being brought down. And I think a lot of it is like people assume that Michigan is like Detroit and then they just categorize Detroit as this like negative place when Detroit's one of my favorite places to be. Like it's, it's beautiful there. Like the, like the people there are just always, they're always fighting. They're always trying to get like more, they're trying to get better. And this, like the city and the state is always doing that same thing. So I think a lot of that like impacts the wrestlers too. Cause like, it's instilled in us just by what's happening around us. And I don't think we always like recognize that, but I definitely do think it leaves that chip on the shoulder. Cause we got something to prove now. Yeah. The, that's actually what drew me into being a Red Wings fan when I was a kid. Cause it was such a rich story of like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had a tough upbringing myself and I was just like, you know, I really identified with that. And then you see Detroit and you, like you say, it's actually not a pit like everybody treats it. Like there mm-hmm. is a, there's a post-apocalyptic quality to certain amounts of like, you oh, know, yeah. to it and it's, it's wild to see actually it's from a photographer standpoint, I'm looking at it and thinking that looks like a dream. Like some of the promos mm-hmm. you could, cut just walking through some oh. of the derelict buildings would be sick like definitely you know we were talking about john moxley beforehand and just i could mm-hmm. see someone like him in particular working there um the indie scene in michigan almost gets forgotten because obviously like you say ohio being down the road is like you say impact uh obviously yeah. Toledo especially got trey miguel and his wrestling academy person down there sammy callahan everything yeah. that goes with ohio itself which is it does to be fair and it rightfully deserves it you know oh, for sure rich pedigree but so did michigan um what's the indie scene like for you right now do you feel like it's still got a lot more to give do you feel like it's still an untapped resource in the united states I think, uh, I think honestly, I think the indie scene across the United States is, is reaching a point where it, it's now becoming mainstream popular, hmm. where there are people who like, like you have like Bad Bunny, who is like an extreme wrestling fan who probably watches stuff on the indies and stuff like Stephen Amell, who was Arrow is friends with like guys like in the bullet club and stuff like that. So like, I, I, I think that the mainstream appeal to indie wrestling is starting to become more prevalent. And I think a lot of that is, is because of the guys. And I think it's pretty much nationwide. Everyone on the indie scene in themselves has a chip on their shoulder because for so long, people have kind of just dismissed it as like the minor leagues almost. And like, you got to get a contract to be the best essentially is what people thought where, there's guys on the indies who I look at and I'm like, how is this guy not signed? Like he is one of the best talents in the world. Like the best, one of the best tag teams in the world, besties in the world. How are they not signed? It just, it blows my mind. I don't get it. And then you got guys like, uh, like Jake something who'd been on the indies for so long, who the second he gets on TV, he's now just this extreme star. Same thing with Rohit Raju. And like both of those dudes are, they're both Michigan guys. And you see both of them come up and like, it, it makes it it makes it feel like something for us, like guys who are under them essentially coming up. Because I I came in and they were like kind of took me under the wing a little bit as well. Like I traveled the roads with Jake and I, I had a couple matches with uh, Rohit and uh, they like gave me a lot of advice and it, and it helped a lot. And I was I was very grateful for that. And I always like looked up to them and I still do look up to them, just like I look up to like Aaron and Jack and I look up to all those guys because they like they laid the ground path for me so that I didn't have to like go in and do all the cement work. Essentially. I just got to walk the path. And then now I've reached 
to where I'm now having to build the road for myself and I have all the tools to do it because of guys like that. And I think that's like that around the Indies as well. And that's something that people don't realize is that that's what the Indies is, is it's guys giving back to each other and, and like giving back to guys and gals and stuff like that. So like, I just think that Indies in general is, is on the road to a big blow up here in the next couple of years. Yeah, the um, it's ironic actually because like we had our big boom. You probably recognised it. Uh, oh yeah, very much. A couple of years ago, especially progress started kicking in, and all these different places. definitely, definitely. Before you know it, like it's it's crazy. One minute, you know, I'm working ring crew on a progress show, and the next minute, the guy who was sitting next to me is on WWE NXT, and I'm like, what the mm. hell just happened? Like it, it really blew up, really big. Um, but definitely. That- now there's a real hunger to get out to America because of the opportunities that have been afforded. Now, when COVID hits and obviously dismantles a lot of what we consider a normal culture, mm-hmm. wrestling over here pretty much ceased to exist in terms of the independence. It was left yeah. in the UK. has only recently just restarted. Uh, and obviously that was probably the main landing point that most mm-hmm. of our independent stars would hope to get to and then obviously use that to jettison themselves to the States. Uh, mm-hmm. How was the initial impact of COVID for you? Because what people don't realise as well is that independent wrestlers, doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how many dates you are, you could be working so many dates, but a lot of us, in particular somebody like yourself who is very talented, still has to work full time still has to make money still has to mm-hmm. make ends meet and make that graft every day so what was the mental impact like and also i mean obviously physically it doesn't seem to have impacted you at all which is good to see um <laughs> and obviously i imagine military background helps greatly in terms of uh, it, it's it's still whooped my butt i lost about 30 pounds during the whole thing so wow i think I was but, uh, pounds just but I, some of these matches <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, how was the mental impact? And also, you know, in terms of just getting bookings, the business of things, how did it impact Michigan, especially? Because Michigan is not a rich state in terms of finances. It's a rich state in terms of culture and personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, for like Michigan Indies, essentially, it was a year ago this week that everything basically stopped. And like, I remember we wrestled, it it was at a promotion called XICW in Detroit. Uh, and it, I had wrestled three times that night, uh, just wanted to have fun. Like it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't think that it was the last time I was going to wrestle or anything. And it was a great show. Like we had a lot of fun. And then we get a text, like right as we leave the venue, they're like, Hey, they just shut everything down. And I was just like, Whoa. And I figured like, Oh, it'll probably be about a month or two. And then like, we'll be back. It'll be no big deal. And then it got into like July and I was like, man, this isn't it. Like. And I mean, mentally for, I know for me, it, it, it sucked. Cause like, you're just, you're sitting at home. You can't do anything. Like the gym wasn't open. So I don't have like an escape to go work out. I couldn't go and like hang out with my friends all the time. Cause like everyone was on quarantine. So like for a lot of it, it was pretty much just video games and watching wrestling. And then I think I, I like around june or like may i came to the determination that i needed to start doing something so i like started doing like just body weight workouts would run around in like the neighborhood and stuff like that and then uh by i think july we were allowed to do outdoor shows um so i started like getting onto some of those shows but it was even that was just a totally different different atmosphere because like they're not like outdoors at like a, a bar they were like in backyards for a while so it was like man we almost regressed back to the the yarder days <laughs> 
and then uh i mean it was fun and like it was real pro wrestling for for most of it but um i think once uh once things started to open up more i know like mr chainsaw started doing outdoor shows but they were like legitimized like he would get he he did one at like an airport and like had everyone in their cars so it was like a drive-in uh like wrestling show which i thought was sweet and um i think it just basically made a lot of promoters kind of get creative with how to run shows at least in michigan it did and then now with everything opening back up it's starting to get a little bit back to normal but uh i think it definitely impacted it um in the moment negatively but i think in hindsight 2020 uh i think like a lot of people look back at it and go you know what like if we can make it through that like this ain't anything like we can pretty much we got it from here like we just survived a pandemic let's let's get to work and i think uh i think it kind of lit the fire back under people especially now that it's getting warmer out here and we're starting to be able to allowed to to like go to go to bars a little bit and like people are allowed to have indoor shows it's starting to feel more normal and i think that everyone's starting to get back into that good headspace again yeah it's it's very weird because like especially for the british people watching this um we're still in a lockdown we're slowly coming out now we just started mm-hmm. coming out but there's no real guarantee of any shows whatsoever until maybe possibly june or july and obviously for people like yeah. myself who are still essentially just you know fat rookies you know I'm, you know i'll still be training and grafting away and hoping for just a single opportunity so you know it's um it's a really strange thing because obviously we identify with america so much britain and america has always had such a rich history of very deep oh, yeah. friendship not always for the best to be fair so <laughs> apologies for the friends fight man but friends fight yeah i mean everyone's got to get their independence somehow and frankly you earned yours um, but yeah the reality of the situation is that we it's, it's ironic actually it's a very typical british response it's like slip up a lift lads keep it up and all that you know we sort of kept it sort of very very close guarded in that respect so obviously with things starting to kind of set into motion again for you being able to go out and wrestling i know you wrestled obviously a couple of times this weekend which was mm-hmm. must be fretting for you. it's weird isn't it like normally that would be oh, yeah. bread and butter and here it is it's like it feels like a novelty again all of a sudden does it mm-hmm. um does it rekindle the passion? Because a couple of guys have come on here during a pandemic and have said that although they still love wrestling, they actually found that during the time away, they found themselves reconnecting with different loves in their life and it actually drew them away from wrestling slightly. How was the hunger for you? Was it easy to maintain that throughout that pandemic? Oh, I, I like lost, a, a, I wouldn't say like my passion for wrestling, but I guess like a little bit of my like desire to, to watch it during the the pandemic because it was kind of hard because like i i always loved watching wrestling because then i'd go and I'd, I'd still be able to go and wrestle on the weekends and stuff like that and then uh and like still chase my dream but i wasn't able to do that so i i essentially would slowly stop watching like product that was going out on tv and stuff i just wouldn't watch it and i would like re-watch my old matches and i would pinpoint all the like things that i did wrong in it and then I would go through and I would just, how many matches did I have this thing that was wrong? How many matches did I mess this up? How many matches did I mess this up? And I just wanted to like essentially use the passion and like not lose the desire as much as I like really just didn't have it. I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to put it all back into it 
and, and just drive through it. And there were some times where like, I just didn't do it. I would, I would wake up and I didn't want to do like watch my matches or I didn't want to think about wrestling. So I would like play video games, but then I'd be like playing Assassin's Creed and something would happen in the game. And I'd go, Oh, what if I did something like, like that, that would be kind of nifty. And then I'd find myself just automatically going back to thinking about wrestling. So I think just my passion for it outweighed the, my desire to like watch or not watch it. So I think that helped me a lot. And then the second things opened back up, it was like the beast was unleashed again. I was like, all right, I got a lot of stuff that I want to do now, guys. So let's get to going. Uh, in terms of downtime, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. You got me buzzing now because I'm a gamer as well. I love more video games. Uh, yeah. so, and obviously, we're very lucky because obviously, where I train with a lot of much younger guys than me, they're all, you know, constantly playing Xbox and stuff like that. So I'd like to run off on a tangent very quickly. Which which uh, is your favorite Assassin's Creed game? Oh, honestly, and this some people might not like it. I like Revelations a lot. Get and. <laughs> I, I feel like it's like a very slept on game because like people didn't understand it I don't feel like and I think like now looking back at it realizing that like that was the end of the story for him I feel like people don't like they like took it for granted essentially because it was it was a quicker game for Assassin's Creed like I, I remember sitting down and like the I just beat Valhalla like I think this morning and it took me since I got it to do that. Cause I mean, I've been doing other stuff, but like when I remember, I remember playing revelations, I was playing it with, uh, with one of my friends, he would come over and we would just play it after school. And I remember when we like beat it, we thought that there was like more and we just like sat there for five minutes and we were like, wait, that's it. And there was like five minutes of me just being angry about it. And then I was like, wait a second, that was a really good game though. And I was I like, all like those first like Assassin's Creed, the Ezio story, essentially, like those were my favorite. Like you cannot top those. And like they can get close with like the other stories and stuff like that. But all of those were my favorite. But Revelations still takes the cake. You can't top like Master Eight. Like you just can't. Ezio just he's he's different level. What's the um? It's actually I'd like to tie this in with a wrestling question because um, quite a few people have spoken about how uh, the modern generation of wrestlers. There's an insinuation that we're a bit soft because we like video games and we don't want to, <laughs> you know, indulge in shall we say really really dodgy activities at a weekend. <laughs> um, don't worry, it's it's everywhere still. Don't you worry about that. But yeah, very much um, still prevalent. You know, like, for instance, uh, The Undertaker famously in an interview recently said that, you know, he felt that the current generation were a little bit softer and they spent too much time playing video games. And because of that, they wouldn't really get to the legendary status. Uh, is there, again, with the chip on the shoulder dynamic, you know, because obviously you're surrounded by guys, you know, this is the modern age where you have access to so much amazing technology. Do you feel like that's a slight or do you just think that's oh, old man's yelling at the clouds again? I mean, I do see his point to to a point where, like, he said uh, you kind of like the realistic feel to things like guys treat it like I, I like to a point. Some guys do treat it like it's a game. Mm -hmm. And to those guys, I would say, like, they aren't the guys that are going to go anywhere. But 
to like his what he was saying about like our generation of wrestling being soft i would disagree with it being like a blanket statement mm. uh simply because you don't know us you like you got the british especially like the british indie scene and, and, and stuff like that like you guys are just pounding each other out there like coming to the back and like your chest is bright red you got like gashes on your neck from the forearms and stuff and i'm just like holy hell and then you got like japanese strong style same type of stuff and like a lot of guys on the on the american indie scene are starting to like like that vibe like i love that like that i live for that because that's what i like that's that's a fight like that's what i'm here for yeah. and um i think like the video games and stuff like for to him to say they hinder i mean you could say that about anything. You could say that about, you know, how guys were probably snorting a, an entire mountain of cocaine before a show, and that might have hindered them a slightly bit. But, um, you know, like, as far as being soft, like, the chip on the shoulder thing, it's there for that. Because I remember hearing it, and I was just like, all right, we'll show you. It's, it's cool. I love the fact you mentioned that because actually what drew me in and made me want to contact you for an interview was the fact that, uh, you know, stuff like that. Because I looked at you and thought, you've got British indie scene written all over you. Like, I'm still missing the tooth, man. Like, you know, and that's I love that shit, man. I love it. Yeah, like, it's kind of weird because at the time, like, oh, man, my tooth. And then after a while, I'm like, yeah, I look, I look like I've, you know, taken a real jaw jacket. Like, that makes me feel like more of a man. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Now I feel like I go to an American bar with a motorcycle. I'm ready for the experience. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Words, to be honest, I get my ass handed to me, but that's fine. Um, the I I love your style. It's very physical, and Thank you can you. see what I really appreciate is that I always tell like I am literally nobody. I've had a handful of matches. That's it. You know, I've started very late. I started training at what 33, and then got an opportunity about six months or so into kind of you know, apply my trade to a small amount. But still, the podcast is the most uh, exposure I've had, really, to the wrestling world. So I don't try and pass myself off. I don't consider myself a wrestler, pseudo at best. But obviously, one thing that's very important to me is that people's self-identity plays out through their wrestling. I like to see people be an extension of themselves. And it's that famous line, isn't it? You know, the greatest wrestling characters, the greatest personas are the guys who are themselves with the volume turned up to 11. Mm -hmm. Case in point, The Rock, Austin, and guys like that. So that's, that's obviously nice. something that you've harnessed beautifully in your style. Um, from a gimmick standpoint, I say gimmick because, you know, that can actually be quite offensive to some guys. I know it's just a, a matter of fact, but I wouldn't say that the lovable psychopath is a gimmick. That's an extension of who you are as a human. Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah um what how has it all come about for you how did you know before you got into wrestling that that was the kind of person you were going to be portraying or did it take time to cultivate that oh it took time it, it definitely took time because there was a a, a a a hard stretch for the first like few shows where i was too much of the shaking hands and kissing babies guy mm. and uh i remember the Aaron Orion, uh, my trainer, he's my dad. He's my tag partner. We, uh, he's not my actual dad, but we always say yeah, he is. Honestly. But uh, he's like my older brother, essentially. He was the one that uh, kind of tapped me into it because we started tagging at this promotion in, uh, in Toronto, Canada called, uh, uh, it's called Superkick. And um, we, we just started working there together. We were like, he brought me into the Death Threat Army at that point. So we were just 
under the name death threat army there. And, um, the first, like the first match we had was against two dudes who, uh, who I knew they, uh, they're incredibly talented dudes on the, on the scene now too. But, uh, we were wrestling them. Uh, their, their tag name was super future at the time. I don't know if they're still a tag team now, but I remember just seeing how Aaron was acting made me want to like be more aggressive and bring more out. And then the more that we started being there, we started to become more of like the, the bad guy, the heel type stuff. And then I just started realizing that's just who, that's me. Like, cause I'm so like, and not to pat myself on the back, but I pride myself on being a pretty nice guy on my like everyday life. And I try to stay laid back and be calm. But like, I always joke with my mom and my mom will like laugh about it, but she's also like, it's very true. She, I was like, I have that burning desire to like go out and maul someone on a day-to-day -day basis, but I keep it like hidden away. Cause you can't do that in society. So how I like let it, I start letting that out when I wrestle and um, Aaron was the one that like really brought it out of me. And then it was in 2020 when we were wrestling outside that I think I kind of like came into most of like who I am. Uh, cause I was, I was tag wrestling for most of my first like two years in, in, in the business. Cause I was traveling with Aaron and, uh, then, in, uh, for 2020, it was just me. Everyone like had their other things that they were doing. They had personal things they were like handling. And, uh, so I was the only like death threat guy that was going out wrestling consistently. So I was like, I want to carry the name with like the brand and like the brand is we're just this band of psychopaths who are going out and we're going house to house street to street and we're going to just kill everybody so i just started like really letting go and like kind of like because i like I, I had a little bit of anxiety about like people going like oh is this going to be like weird is are they going to like judge me for like something that i say and then i pretty much just had to say like screw it and then i just went out there and, and did it and i was like that felt good I think that's, I think that's the money. And then people started picking up on it. They started liking it and it became like my brand and I just went off with it. The, the opportunity to play as a heel, even if they are like a, a real extension of who you are, brings up a lot of um, interesting notions because in the modern age, obviously it's a much more overall liberal society. I'm not really one who swings to either side of that fence. Mm -hmm. I've always been an honest about that. <laughs> I'm very much a centralist. So um, I find that I find it very difficult to subscribe to a label as it is, particularly with my uh -huh. background and being mixed race and things of that nature. So, but being a heel, do you feel that in the modern era, people take it too literally and too seriously? Uh, a, a good example is the Briscoes, for instance, who are arguably my favorite tag team and i mean I they're amazing them. yeah I they are briscoes. one like, of the best yeah i've like modeled my look after the briscoes if i'm being honest i, I oh, love yeah. them i just i love you know I'm a, I'm a country boy at heart over here and i just feel like they're that's an extension of who i am i like that style now obviously some of their thoughts and some of their opinions can be quite uh, inflammatory especially jays but like for instance when they're over here um they really wanted to garner heel heat by going after people in the audience not necessarily attacking them physically but you know kind of making sure that they were aware of who they were do you think that um there's too much of a reliance on cheap heat or do you feel like the heel isn't afforded enough of an opportunity to genuinely be a real nasty piece of shit uh i think it's kind of like on both it's both ends of the spectrum i think a lot of times uh 
fans take things a little too seriously, but a lot of times guys themselves take things a little too seriously. Mm. And uh, like at the end of the day, it's pro wrestling. And, and like, we're not like, no one's intention should be to like go out there and, and like hurt anybody's feelings or make anybody feel uncomfortable or anything like that. But to a point, like you do need to make people feel uncomfortable. You do need to push that line a little bit. Cause that's what we're all about. That's basically what made professional wrestling, professional wrestling is we took what people thought was normal and we started flipping it on its head. And then like you had guys like, like uh like the Dudley boys who would go out at ECW and they're like screaming at the fans and stuff like that and that worked for that that like group they love that because that's like that that like hardcore fan base that thrives off of that and I think a lot of it's just like knowing the crowd knowing where you are because like there's been times where like I love where I've said something and then like right after I say it I'm like oh man that that might have that might have crossed the line and like, and sometimes like I'll go, like if the guy's like lingering by like a gimmick table, I'll just go over and be, Hey man, like I didn't mean anything by it. Like, and I'll say something to him if I think it's bothering him. But for the most part, like a lot of people are good, like good sports about it, but there are people who I don't want to say like can get easily offended, but who will get offended by those things. And I think it's just, I, I try my best not to single anybody out. I do my best to like broad spectrum, say it. Like if I'm telling, if I'm telling people to shut up, like if some one person says something, I'll point in that direction and I'll be like, who said it, who said it. And I'll just like point in that area. So then that they'll be like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And like kind of give them that fear. Like, Oh, I'm coming for you, but I don't even know who it was. Like, so I, I think a lot of times, and I think people kind of don't, cheap heat's good like i think you know if a if a kid like i i've had my fair share of cheap heat there was a show uh in kalamazoo michigan that we did and a kid had a sign that said dta sucks and uh, i took the sign from him and i ripped it up and then i threw it at the kid and i like after the match we walked over we gave him like one of our little scarves and we gave him a t-shirt and stuff and you know like it's just it's, it's like for me it's about creating moments and like i don't think that kid's ever gonna forget that moment he's gonna be like there's this one time at the show that i went to in, in kalamazoo they ripped up my sign but i got this sweet little scarf and like i think like those are the things that like i like look for when i'm going out there like when i'm watching my friends wrestle i'm looking for their moments in their match even if it's just them talking shit to a fan or if it's them you know taking a moment in the ring that's what i look for and i think cheap heat's a good way to do it where like because, I mean, Aaron and I did it. We we were in Canada. We beat the promoter of the company in Canada, and then we buried him under an American flag. Like, that's very cheap heat. But it, it got over. Like, the crowd hated it. They were throwing toilet paper at us after we did it, you know, flipping us off, screaming at us. And I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we wanted. Get cheered in Britain for that, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we love like the Vord villain mentality of here. He was a so over over here. The more of an oh, yeah. we must feel, the more they tend to pop for it because we're so dour and love being miserable to ourselves. So it's just like, yes, abuse me some more. I deserve it. Like, that's, just... that's why. I, that's why I think I love your guys' indie scene uh, slightly above the the Michigan indie scene, at least fans wise. I love all the fans, but you guys just are, are so passionate about it, like it's it's real to you like i like anytime i watch like nxt uk or when i watch progress and stuff like that like 
the fans literally make all of the matches so much better. Like the matches themselves are great, but the fans themselves, I'm just like, wow. Like it gives you goosebumps sometimes. It's, it's amazing. I love that. I, I hope I can experience that one day. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the kind of ulterior motives of having you on here is hoping that it will open people's eyes to you as a wrestler over here as well. Because I feel it's very important. I love the mixture of identity that the British independent <laughs> scene is like. Because if you watch NXT UK, for instance, it's not just UK people, you know, it's Germany and Portugal and France and Italy, <laughs> and everyone's coming in. And it's great that we've kind of got a. I don't want to say we're the European capital because I think that's quite arrogant, but I feel that this is very much a landing point for the majority of Europe's yes. best wrestlers. And, you know, we've set up a great infrastructure and obviously that's been rocked quite a bit with unfortunate things and we're hoping to rebuild from that coming out of the pandemic and it's about mm -hmm. retaking the trust of people. But your style of wrestling is great because obviously you're very physical, you're very violent, but you can wrestle, okay? You know, you're not a... <laughs> outlaw mud show wrestler i think is the term <laughs> <laughs> oh jimmy he gets so angry bless him um <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy him to be honest i find him he's like my guilty pleasure i just the more he rants the more i feel like i'm expelling my own demons listening to him but um <laughs> the quality of your wrestling and the style of it does lend itself to ecw a little bit and you i know you're very passionate about ecw you mentioned the dudley boys and obviously some of the heat they were gonna for their heel promos were astonishing i have to, oh, yeah. to riot in the streets over them that's for me i'm not scared of that as a wrestler or i want to be wrestler so mm -hmm. to speak like for me i'm like oh, i'd love to be in an audience where they're lobbing chairs at me in the ring and that, that sounds cool to me like and obviously there's still remnants of that how much has um ecw helped build your identity in your mind you feel like you've really taken a lot of what you saw from that era because that was very much the the outcasts promotion you know that was the place mm -hmm. where if you weren't all shiny and fancy like wwe and wcw you went to ecw mm -hmm. where the gritty fans and the gritty wrestlers went to be real so to speak yeah, it was like when when I first broke into the business, I wasn't like as in shape as I am now. I was a lot skinnier, so like I, I didn't gain a lot of the like notice as I did for my talent because I didn't look the part, I guess you could say. And so I like I kind of got that chip on my shoulder there, where I was like, I need to start evolving my style so I stand out more. And then I just started like trying things and seeing if they stuck. And a lot of it was like just the mentality of ECW of wanting to be like something that's just like a, like a jolt of adrenaline in your arm, like just something new and fresh that people will go, Oh, wait a minute. That that's something right there. Like, cause I, I know at the end of the day, if you put like me standing next to Jake, something, Jake, something is the superstar. Like he he's the world champion and I'm not trying to diminish my own star quality by any means, but he's that dude's a world champion he looks like a world champion he will be a world champion where like i look like the type of dude who just might come walking in off of a street into a bar having a bad day at work and you might just test him the wrong way and i'll rearrange your face and i think like that's kind of the style that i bring into the the ring with me where it's like i don't care what i have to do i'm just gonna throw everything even myself at you if i have to and i'm gonna beat you yeah, like I say, um, I think it's really important. Like for me as a fan, I want to relate. Uh, 
you know, AEW is obviously a big buzz topic right now. We're recording mm-hmm. this a day after, obviously, Revolution. And one yep. of my critiques of AEW, so to speak, is that I don't feel like enough of their characters are relatable in some sense. Like, even MJF, I can relate to him in the sense of we all know someone who's a fucking arsehole. So, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sock you one, fool. Like, he is one of them kind yeah, of people. Right. And that's I think that's important to be able to harness that. Who would you liken yourself most to? Uh, and even going a little bit further, who is the guy from ECW that you most feel would probably give you the perfect kind of matchup? Oh, perfect matchup for me. I mean, in my head, it would be Sabu because I, I think the the re- he like very much embodied the reckless style, like where he would just throw his body and do the most crazy things to himself. And he would just keep getting back up. Like the dude ripped his bicep out and just taped it up. Like you can't beat that. And I think like, for me, that's like my ultimate dream match that I like probably will never get, but it just like, I I think that like the styles for like, I emulate a lot of my things off of like him and, and RVD, even like Rhino and stuff like, some of the mannerisms and stuff like Rhino to me had some of the best wrestling mannerisms that people never even talked about. Like every time someone would kick out of something, his eyes would always get so big and he would look so shocked. And I was like, like there's so much talent at that place. And, and I think a lot of it got slept on. And that's where, that's why, like, I kind of take a lot of that and use like incorporated into my style now because like that's event essentially what got me to loving wrestling so it's like my homage to them like hey i'll do the reckless style too because i i loved it i love it and i'm gonna keep doing it and people can call it whatever they want i got the shirt on that says stupid and reckless and everything yeah, <laughs> yeah put me on one of those so I'll, uh, I'll certainly drop some money on that um <laughs> very much a, a motto i've lived by uh the yeah <laughs> I, I loved ECW personally because I always felt like I was an outcast. And there's that, I, you've probably seen in that famous promo that Paul Heyman does for their first pay per view where he, you know, rolls up the troops and he's like, you know, very much. Obviously, you're allowed to swear on this, by the way, as you probably noticed. But, like, you know, he yeah. kind of says, like, you know, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. Fuck you, we will go out there and show you what we are made of as individuals. And he was able to, like, you know, he, for all his, um, his malfeasance, he was an individual who was a motivator. Oh, yeah. And a motivator of men and women. And of course, you know, you've got an opportunity now, I would say, to usher in that new era where it's evolved. Because it, you know, sometimes I would watch ECW and I'll think, oh, okay, that's just a bit too much rubbish. I've watched just a little bit of wrestling. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a shame because obviously you had guys like Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Ray Mysterio mm-hmm. and Gus came through. So it wasn't just lunatics like Balls Mahoney and stuff like that. Yeah. It actually <laughs> work, to be fair. Um, is there a... I'm very curious about this, being from Michigan, because obviously the famous sons of Michigan are guys like the Motor City Machine Guns and Rhino, who's obviously a guy you mentioned. I always feel like Rhino gets such a raw deal compared to other guys. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like I loved his look as well because he didn't look like your archetypal bodybuilder. He was like me. He was just a very big unit of a human being. A He's a one. stocky, meaty guy. Yeah, exactly. He looked like a you know a premium running back. He just runs. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, I'm such a closet American. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but like the reality of the situation is that when people say Michigan, they think, okay, yeah, mostly Michigans, yeah, Rhino. Is that a good thing? Obviously, it is a good thing. But at the same time, um, being from Michigan, do you feel that people should look beyond that and look for more than that and not just associate the state with a few entities, albeit world-class ones? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when you look, like, deeper past just, like, the net like i we call them like the names i guess you could say when you look past like the most famous right. names in 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 michigan like that's when you start getting the guys like the rohit rajus you start getting the jake somethings the carms like you start to find all of these guys um that are like almost hidden gems they're like diamonds in the rough essentially and especially like guys that like in death red army you got like jack price and aaron orion and isaiah broner are like and everybody alex weir adam wick all of those guys are like they have so much untapped potential and they continue to get better and i think like it's it's a good thing when people say like oh yeah michigan wrestling's like motor city machine guns and, and rhino but then like look past all of that and then start seeing the new now too because there's some superstars that you haven't even heard of yet that are going to be superstars here and like two three years or even right now like you got Rohit and Jake on impact who are two in my opinion one of the biggest draws in the company mm. like people were so into in, into the the Jake something character finally appealing and then uh like with when Rohit finally became the the Rohit we see now and kind of broke away from the Desi hit squad and, and like got the x division championship like that he started gaining that that like fame again and that bringing eyes to the company and i think like even on the indie scene there's a lot of guys that people don't like necessarily like carm is one of the guys that i, I came in the business with who's gonna be a future world champion somewhere like the dude's built to be like 260 pounds he's like six foot three he's a freaking monster like you don't you can't teach that and he's an incredible worker so like, it like I think looking past the surface and that's like any, any city or any state or anything like that, like looking past the surface and actually going and seeing what's there now, you might just find something new that you might like. The, um, it's an easy question is very much a, you know, it's, it's a home run hit really. Uh, would you like to work with Rhino and Motor City Machine Guns? Are they the pinnacle for a lot of guys from Michigan or do you look for? Oh Yeah. I, I actually got the privilege uh, to wrestle Rhino uh, and I wrestled him twice uh, in a relatively quick span of time. I wrestled him in a singles match and then uh, we wrestled him in a tag team match. And, uh, and both times I absolutely loved it. I had to keep telling myself mentally to stop just like sitting there and staring while he was talking. I was like, you actually got to listen. Cause I was like, man, this is somebody that I like watched on TV growing up. This is, very cool. And I think that was the moment in my head where I realized I was like, man, you're not just you're not just playing pro wrestler anymore. Like you you made it to the dance, bro. Like now it's time to get serious. And uh, but the Motor City Machine Guns, I, I actually got to wrestle in a match with Alex Shelley. Um, and no, Chris Saban, but it was just Alex Shelley was in the match. And just in him being involved in the match and hearing what he had to say, I was just sitting there and I was like, this guy's got more knowledge about wrestling than I think I might ever know. Like this is the most ridiculous thing. And I think for me, I would love that match. Death Threat Army versus Motor City Machine Guns. I think that would be a money matchup. And I, I think 
they are essentially like the pinnacle of Michigan Indies. Like I think pretty much we joked about it when I wrestled uh, Rhino, everybody like went on the ride home was like, you've officially made it on the Michigan Indies scene. You worked with Rhino. And I was like, Oh, sweet. I'm a real wrestler now. So, I mean, I definitely think they are the pinnacle because they're the, they're the like main faces that made it to the dance and were successful and had hall of fame careers. Yeah, um, that's so cool because you're always be able to say what people don't realize is Rhino was the last ever proper ECW champion. Like, so mm-hmm. you know, the fact you got to wrestle, and obviously, um, I think he was there. I want to say, not is it TV champion as well, or is it United States champion? I can't remember. I think it was the TV champ, the ECW the television champ. champ. Yeah, didn't have the, yeah, because obviously, I remember RVD holding that for like 23 months, and I was just like. Mm-hmm. RVD's another guy that's from Michigan too. He's from Battle Creek. He is, yeah. RVD was my favorite wrestler growing up because when I first, <laughs> I, I, I didn't think I was ever good. I was always a fat kid, so I was just like, well, I'm not going to be a wrestler because I'm too fat. And then I realized that holy shit, Bam Bam Bigelow is the man, and he was like, <laughs> hell yeah, man. And um, that's now what I'm trying to do is kind of be old man Vader, old man Bam Bam Bigelow because I've got the hype to go with it. But um, obviously, RVD, you know. Yeah, I fucking loved RVD because I was obsessed with Jean-Claude Van Damme's kid. <laughs> I just yeah. I was like, oh God, they must be related. That was my thing. I was like, as a kid, I thought, I they're that. definitely I related. Yeah, I was like, it's the same person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the obviously moving away from ECW, but you can tell that that's been so important. Now, Death Threat Army, I now have a new goal on this podcast, and that is to complete the entire collection of Death Threat Army interviews. Um, <laughs> I think that would be pretty. And then once we've done that, we can then have everyone on one Zoom call. That would be sick. for sure. Yeah, I know we'd be down for it, man. Yeah, that's that's kind of my ultimate goal now is to be a total mark and an honorary member of DTA, which doesn't always stand for don't trust anybody, <laughs> although should stay there as well. Uh, <laughs> how's the How's the growth? Because obviously being a tag team wrestler, that's good. But so many guys have said to me that tag team wrestling is great, but it can feel like a bit of a crutch if you want to be a single star. Because, you know, and obviously it's a very different star. I remember Josh Alexander came on here, which was a you know, a huge, huge game. I love Josh. He, yeah. He's such a good dude. Oh, he's, he's great. One of the best wrestlers in the business right now, too. I would argue he's probably who I would aspire to be most in terms of just a human being. So I think the way oh, he carries yeah. himself is so important in our profession. And that's something that I try and project in my personality every day. But, you know, he spoke about the fact that, yeah, when you're a singles wrestler, you are out there by yourself. There isn't that safety net. There, there isn't that ability to talk through spots or whatever that might be. And for you, obviously, you're starting to build an identity. Is there ever a temptation later down the line? I don't want to rile up the brothers, but um, is there a temptation <laughs> to kind of move away from the Death Threat Army to really break out and be like a Jake something or like a Rohit Raju and really carve and pave your own way through the industry? I think, like, the the one thing that I love about, about DTA is, um, like, we are a faction, but there's not really, like, a, a set leader to us. Um, like I would say for me, I would say Aaron and Jack are the two leaders for, for us. And and like, they're the main guys. Um, but if you ask them, there's no leader, like we all kind of, like, it's a very much of a, of a democracy. We all ask each other, like, Hey, like, this is a move I'm thinking about doing. What should I do? And I, I just recently asked Aaron, 
um, if he preferred me as a singles wrestler or in tag team. And he was like, dude, you're incredible at both. Like go and do both. And like, that to me was just like, it, it meant a lot. Cause like to a point, like I, I do see the whole like branching off and making my own brand, but I've, I've almost done that in within death threat to where it's like a sub brand of the brand. Hmm. And I always like, once I got into death threat and I saw everybody and all the talent that's in here, I was just like, I was like, we got, we got money here. Like there, there's no way that this can't go on TV somewhere and, and impress the world. And I think doing it together, or even if one of us makes it, uh, Aaron just even told me the other day, he was like, the only way I'll get a death threat army tattoo is if one of you, or if we get signed. And I was like, all right, that's the goal. Let's do it. We're getting signed so we can get all, we all get these DTA tattoos. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, Sorry, carry on, bro. No, no, you're fine. But uh, I think I think it pretty much just boiled down to, uh, for me at least, it was focusing on myself and then the rest kind of falls into place. Because um, I, in my even in my last two matches, I, Aaron rewatched the matches because he was right after me, so he didn't get to watch them. And he was just like, dude, that was that's you. Like, don't do anything different. That it, who you were in the ring those two times that's you and I was just like all right and like I feel like now even since we've had so much time apart from each other and tagging like Aaron and I haven't tagged in I think almost a year now and uh I I still think it would be even better probably 10 times better than the last time we tagged because we both evolved in our own respective talents and our like our own like craft that i think it would be so much better once we put it back together and then i think i don't think i've said it before i don't think there's a tag team on the indies that can step into that ring and outshine us when me and aaron or me and jack or jack and aaron any of that combination is in the ring what's the dream tag team match for you guys is it an ecw classic or is there something more like you know we spoke about motor city machine guns and obviously we know how much that would kill it um, do you have any really lofty aspirations? Is there a pinnacle to where you see your career going? Well, it's like for me, for me, and I, I, I don't want to speak for Aaron, but I can almost speak for him. Like I, I got into the wrestling business to be the best. I didn't do it just because I wanted to like go down in history as being like a really good wrestler or like the 15th best pro wrestler of all time or something. I like, I got into it because at the end of the day, when pro wrestling's all said and done and people put their Mount Rushmore on, I want to be one of those faces. And I think that's the same thing for Aaron. And that's the same way we kind of approach everything we do tag wise or singles wise. Like we go out there and our goal is to outshine and be the best. Like, and I think a lot of times for at least, I know that we, me and Aaron were just talking about it too, where it's pretty much just give us the opportunity and you ain't going to not give us the opportunity again. Like we, we have never disappointed when we show up to a place, we always show out. And I think personally for like dream matches for me, motor city machine guns would be one. Um, I'd love to wrestle with the besties again. I, I had so much fun with them in the first match that I definitely want to do it again. Um, the young bucks, you can't, not want to wrestle the young bucks if you're talking tag team wrestling um who else is out there probably the usos too like those would be like my main like good tag team and the good brothers 
because they just there's so many like good tag teams out there man tag team wrestling i feel like is reaching a pinnacle in the indies yeah. and in wrestling in general where like it's really starting to like get up there with singles where you could have like tag belts main eventing shows now and stuff yeah i've got uh proud and powerful comes to mind as well for me um oh so, yeah at least that's a great style you know i feel like you guys would mesh beautifully down they're probably my favorite tag team in the world to be honest and that's oh yeah it's, it's kind of weird like the, the last show i was on like i came out in like um these kind of like cargo jeans and a snapback and everybody was like man you look like a member of lax i'm like holy shit like that's the that's the coolest thing anyone's ever said to me in the business so i was just like I'm uh, very i mean the, those dudes are out there doing some of the craziest stuff like that the, they're i think they're probably the peak right now uh is there a particular company that you've sized up like so many wrestlers the pinnacle is wwe and they want to be in wwe and they want to be in that system they want to wrestle john cena at wrestlemania that kind of stuff the big money payoff um if i told you to put your head in the clouds what's the true dream scenario where you can look up to evans and say that's it that's it I've, I've reached that pinnacle that's what i wanted to do uh honestly like if you asked me six months ago i probably would have said going to wwe or aew and then ask me now i i i'm kind of happy being unsigned like i like making my own schedule i'd like to wrestle more obviously get my name out there and get some big bookings and stuff like that but you know it's it's not necessarily like where i want to go it's like i just want to like i want to be remembered in the in the business i want people like if I got hit by a bus in, in, in 10 years and died, I'd want people to go, wow, remember this match, remember this match, remember this one, remember this, remember this. Like, I'd want people to remember me for that. And I think now we've reached a point in wrestling where you don't necessarily need, like, as people call it, the Fed to, to be remembered. Like Kenny Omega and, and the Young Bucks were indie superstars essentially forever, even once they left like Ring of Honor and, and New Japan. And, and they were the peak of the business. Everyone was saying those are the guys. Like when Cody Rhodes went back to the independent scene, like he was still one of the best wrestlers on the planet and he was, and he was an indie guy. So I, I mean, I think a lot of times people overlook the indies as, like I said earlier, being the minor leagues as opposed to being professionals. And I think like, like the besties in the world, the, there's not a doubt in my mind that if the besties in the world retired tomorrow, the entire independent wrestling scene would lose their absolute minds. Because like those dudes are, are two of the most talented wrestlers uh, in, like in tag team wrestling and in just wrestling in general, like the stuff they come up with, their presence in the ring. Like, and I don't think like they're, they don't need to go to a fed to solidify that. I think they're, they solidified their craft on their own. And I think uh, for me, I just want to like get to the point where like nationwide, worldwide people kind of can solidify my craft. And like I'm, I've become that like worldwide name that's like popular enough to where people are like, yo, when's he going to go to this place? And I can just sit back, relax and bide my time. Pretty much just want to make make money, have fun and do what I love. The. Um... I love that because it's really funny because like I'm I get I cop a lot of heat on this podcast because I'm not a big Kenny Omega or Young Bucks fan and like I, I love their New Japan work more than I did like the North American stuff and I oh, don't I know, feel you. Yeah. yeah I mean it's subjective isn't it at the end of the day like you know I I mean it's I wrestling man yeah exactly like you know I, for me one of my favorite all time might workers is Joel Gertner 
Like people, like I, I feel like people are forgetting, you know, forgotten Joel Gertner way too much. Um, just such a cool guy. Uh, but the fact is that they created this identity, like you've just said, where it, mm-hmm. now it isn't a necessity. And if anything, they've the one thing I really do love and respect about them is that they've carved their own way. They pretty much helped create AEW along with obviously the. The help of a billionaire certainly helps. That's that's oh sure. yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely a good little added addition. The finances, it is still all about that. I'm <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the drive was there, and the determination to say, "No, fuck you!" I, you know, th- that isn't going to be the only game in town. And now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Indies is so huge. Um, in terms of traveling abroad, is there anywhere in particular you'd like to work? I know you've mentioned Britain, obviously, but I imagine your style actually would lend itself quite nicely to some of the promotions in Japan. Oh, I would, I would love to go to Japan. I like anywhere overseas. I would love to, to wrestle. I just, I, I pretty much like my goals from here on out is I just want to go anywhere that wants me and I want to show up, show out and basically just want to take my craft all across the, all across the world. Like, like, uh, Ireland's a place that I would love to go to. Um, you know, you obviously Britain, you have just like, there's tons of, but even Germany, there's tons of places out there. And like, there's so much wrestling over in Europe that isn't like, I guess you could say the mainstream indie stuff. Like people know progress and like OTT and stuff like that. But like, uh, like, like I said, there's places in Germany, there's places like all across Europe that like are incredibly good and they have incredibly good talent. And I just pretty much would want to go any of those places. I'd love to go to Japan. Um, even if it was just for like a, like a week, I would love to go just to like, see the see the culture too because like I, I in the military a lot of guys when they go into the marine corps they get to go to japan uh for like two years right out the gate and i just didn't get selected for that um so and i, and I was like kind of disappointed i was like, man japan sounds like it would be pretty sweet like they got cool tattoos and stuff there i love all that like they got the samurai culture there's so much cool stuff over there like i just would love to like travel get as much knowledge like see different styles of wrestling because it changes everywhere you go like you go to like kansas and they wrestle one way and then you go to like japan they wrestle totally different way and like you mesh those styles sometimes and you have money and i just like i love seeing different styles of wrestling and seeing how people like seeing how their minds think and seeing how they put things together just i love all of that that's that's pretty much just what i want to do is i just want to see like as much of the wrestling culture as I can. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind when I see your social media is a, a true hunger, a true passion. Um, as we work towards the end of things, and obviously not the end of things, you'll be back, I can guarantee you that, if you want to. Obviously. Definitely, no, definitely, man. I'd <laughs> love to be back on the podcast, like, get your ass back here. But, like, you know, it's a, <laughs> like, yeah, I swear to God, every fucking podcast is a Vince McMahon impression. It's like, it's kind of like culture at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my claim to fame, is that I'll just be a parody of Vince. Um <laughs> not not legitimately don't worry people um but the obviously so many trainees watch this podcast which i'm really proud of because they can watch anything and they're a much better podcast if you want to learn about a business than ours but obviously something i like to get a handle on is 
like Josh Alexander had so much wisdom. Like just sitting there for an hour listening to him, I was like, knowledge just pouring into my head. Mm-hmm. And I get a similar vibe from you in terms of your professionalism, your approach, and the way you. you handle yourself. Your cadence is excellent. Is there anything you really would suggest, uh, advice-wise, when it comes to trainees? Because I know a lot of them will be watching. Um, what's like a really important core aspect of being a wrestler that all trainees in your mind should have and should take very seriously? Um, the, the best advice that I was ever given was close your mouth, open your ears, like just sit there, shut up and listen. Like, especially like with a guy, like when like guys like Josh Alexander are sitting there talking, like he has so much knowledge that people might not even know about. And, and like, he's probably learned, he, he's forgotten more about wrestling than I may ever know. Like the dude is technically sound. He can go out there, have like a 35 minute classic match. Like, he's incredible. So if he's giving me advice, I'm going to just sit there and like, shut up. If he tells me, Hey dude, that part of your match was awful. I'm going to go, okay, thank you. It was bad. I'm going to work on it. Like it, it's, and, but like the second part to it is ask questions. Like if someone says something to you and like, you don't fully understand it, and they act like, hey, did you get that? Just be like, oh, like, could you explain it a little bit better? Like, I, I didn't fully get it. Because I think, like, a lot of guys are afraid of, like, because I was, like, when somebody tells you something one time and, like, oh, could you say that one more time? Like, they think, oh, he wasn't listening. And it's like, no, I just, I'm dumb. I, I get dropped on my head a lot. I need you to, like, say it twice so I can fully comprehend it. So, like, just basically be quiet and listen and, and ask as many questions as you can think of. I used to make Aaron... I'm almost positive I used to piss him off with how many times we we would have a three hour training session. I'd leave training and like half an hour on the way home, I'd message him and be like, hey, man, what about this? And he'd be like, oh, yeah. And then like two hours after that, I'm like, "Okay." And then what if I do this? And he's like, "Okay, I got to go to sleep, dude. We talk like the next day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then be like three in the morning and I'm texting him. Hey, dude, like I thought about this, too. Sorry if this wakes you up. Boom. And I'm like. It, it's annoying to a point and there was times where he would be like hey shut the hell up leave me alone but then like but just ask as many questions as you can like I'm still asking questions there's like every time I finish a match I'm usually sending the match to to Aaron or Jack or anybody who will essentially give me advice on it and be like hey dude what did I do wrong like look at this and tell me what I messed up how was it how was the everything the pacing all of this and, and a lot of it in, in in training is just repetitions too. Like in, it might seem annoying at times, but taking the same bump 16, 17 times in a row, it's going to hurt, but that's, it's getting you to, to the muscle memory. So that way, the next time you take the bump in a match, you're not going to get hurt. And I think a lot of people get discouraged by that because I know in training sessions that like I've been with Aaron, when we have somebody run the same thing, like three, four times, you can tell just by their body language, they're getting annoyed by it. And the reason you, you know, we have them do it three, four times is because we can see you're getting annoyed by it. Like, don't get annoyed, like keep getting, like use that like and I think the the best thing that like I always like did with Aaron was every time we would get in there and we would do something it was always at 110 percent even if we were 1000 percent gassed and like we just had a full training like you step in that ring you do it 110 percent because you practice how you play and I I think that's like the most important thing because I've been to training sessions where people kind of take it like a like a joke or, or they're like half speeding stuff. And, and I'm like, okay, like that's all well and good. 
but then you're going to get out there and you're going to half speed it. Like you have to, like, this is the time to refine things and, and, and do it 100%. So that way your craft is 100% every time. It's not going to be 90% one time because you only put in 90% of the effort. And I think like guys like, especially guys like Josh Alexander and like Jake something and those types of dudes are ex extremely good to like see as success stories for that. Cause like they just shut up, got all of the ability that they had. And, and now they're doing exactly what I love seeing like guys do when they get to that point, they're giving back to people and like Josh Alexander's putting guys over on the Indies over on Twitter to, to like indie companies and stuff. And like, and like, he doesn't have to do all that, but he goes out and does it. And I love seeing that. And I think like that just comes from, that just comes from the whole him being that teacher and like wanting to train people. But then like, that's just people need to like accept it. They just need to sit there and like, even if it's just like random advice on Twitter, I love seeing like, uh, like, Aaron will randomly put little things on Twitter or uh, like Gringo Loco will show like uh, like training videos and stuff every now and again. And I'll sit there and I'll watch it like six or seven times and be like, how did he do it? How did he do it? And I'm like, like, take all of that and just use it as knowledge. Like, you never stop learning. Even if you're scrolling through like Instagram, I'll sit and watch a wrestling with wrestling with unicorns clips like eight, nine times to see how somebody did a move. And then like, be like, oh, wow, that was cool. What if I like, did something different and then here and then hit my move instead and did this transition like that and stuff like and like you were always learning you're always evolving like never be content because I, I even said it like not that long ago I got content at a point in 2020 where I was like okay with just being the good local guy for now mm. and I use the excuse like oh we have a pandemic and like well we can't really travel so like I'm kind of limited to this but it's like also screw that like always get better never be content like that's my best bit of advice to people is is listen learn never be content like that's that's it just put that on a t-shirt right? <laughs> that would <laughs> sell to be fair i like that that's a nice idea uh obviously coming out of this podcast people want to track your career follow you get take an interest in you i'm really Hopefully. hoping we can build uh, the uk fan club for dta itself as well Definitely. um obviously social media where can people get at you and also as far as things like merchandise and stuff like that these links by the way ladies and gentlemen will be made available obviously in the podcast description so you know if you do miss them don't panic just check out the little bit of dialogue underneath and you'll see those in the description yeah check that yeah that right there right there do, do as he says or he will kill you <laughs> <laughs> simple as that like i may not be threatening but he is um yeah where can people get at mr vendetta and they say i say mr vendetta because you know obviously not brave enough to be on first name basis just yet oh no you first name basis now man we're a tag team what are you talking about uh for i mean pretty much facebook if you look up tommy vendetta i'm almost positive there's no other tommy vendetta um on instagram i'm at lovable psychopath underscore dta uh on twitter it's at tommy underscore vendetta and then if you want to get some of my merch you can check uh pro wrestling tees uh, backslash Tommy Vendetta and then also check out the Death Threat Army uh, pro wrestling teases same thing just Death Threat Army and then all of our handles on social media for Death Threat Army are just at Death Threat Army uh, yeah and as I say to a lot of people watching if you need a hand with pro wrestling tees uh, 
contact us if you live abroad if you're in europe or whatever because they do ship internationally but customs can be a real pain in the ass now especially with brexit in the uk so oh yeah yeah like our customs unfortunately it's why i can't buy but pro wrestling tees has assured us that they'll be opening a, a european store this year so fingers crossed that will make access to this merch a lot easier in the meantime guys if you have any questions in terms of brexit and shipping and customs and things like that i will be more than happy to help you out so that i can ensure that you get your very sweet looking dta merch uh tommy vendetta i'm a big fan personally i really am and having, having you on is genuinely so cool to me because I am of the opinion that the true stars don't necessarily get the social media presence or the platform that they deserve. So this podcast will always be afforded to you, the DTA brothers, to everybody who, you know, pounds the road the same way that you do. So feel free to come on whenever you like. This is honestly, this is your platform, not mine. Um, But yeah, most importantly, thank you very much for giving us your time. It's an incredibly humbling experience, sir. No, thank you. Like, like you said, it's a humbling experience for me to, to be considered as, as good as you think I am. So thank you so much for, for having me. And I'm definitely looking forward to doing it again. My pleasure, man. As I said, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check out, obviously, the social media links, Mr. Vendetta. And um, like I say, you can call him Tommy, but do it at your own risk. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much, man. We'll catch you very soon down the road, hopefully. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you.